Welcome back to Respect the Dead, the podcast where we don't. It's no surprise that everyone celebrated your demise. And now worms are eating our eyes. So don't you worry, rotting head, as you sleep in your sodden bed. It's time to respect the dead. Everyone, welcome to Respect the Dead. I'm Hoots. I'm Kellen, and I'm mainly Mandy. And today, um, the best way to honor the legacy of my topic today is by broadcasting ourselves mocking him and celebrating his death, because he spent a great deal of his broadcasting career mocking people who disagreed with him, and notably celebrating the deaths of AIDS victims. So today. We are going to talk about Rush Limbaugh. Yes. Destroy him, Hoots. Destroy this fucking man. I hate him so much. Okay. Here's the thing. As a Canadian, I know about him. And I knew there was a man who did that. I did not remember it was that man that you were talking about today who mocked the deaths of AIDS victims. And now I am so excited about the worms that are going to eat him. Yes, they've been eating him. Yes, I'm so fucking excited. Yeah, he sucks so hard. And I will say, Kaylin, it's totally fair that you couldn't remember who he was because um, Rush Limbaugh's legacy, he kind of pioneered this whole like modern movement of conservatism that is just about like triggering the libs and nothing else that's so basic he he created like a whole media diet that would persist throughout the kind of mid 90s into the 2000s so he is the um the kind of father of all of that the grandfather of all of that but it makes sense that you wouldn't like remember quite who he was because so many people have modeled themselves after him so let's fucking get into it he was like the og the og rogue he was yeah he was the og OG rogan og alex jones like are we all of them yeah this whole vibe and the way that alex jones and the way that alex jones changed the uh the diet of fucking conspiracy theorists (laughs) Uh, rush limbaugh changed the diet of the mainstream Republican conservative movement in the United Mm -hmm. States. That's nasty. Let's go. So Rush Limbaugh III was born January 12th, 1951 in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. So he's he's trip. He's number three. Is that what trip means? When people call old like rich people trip, that's what they mean? Yes. Trip triple. Oh my god. The third trip. Okay. I literally just thought that they were giving like a cool mask name, like truck or spank or something. Mm-mm, like- it's number three. It's junior, junior. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Yeah. Bit of, bit of country club lingo for you there. Nasty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know how there's that like meme on like social media, like don't uh, ask actor or pop star why their family's names are blue on wikipedia Mm -hmm. yes well the limbaugh family is so blue that like uh, uh, their names are so blue that the limbaugh family is its own wikipedia page (laughs) linking off to the wikis for each limbaugh that is famous they're like a big missouri politics people and and have been since before he was born and most of the family are lawyers like they're they're trained in law not not Rush, which we'll, we'll get to. Most notably, Rush's grandfather, Rush Limbaugh Sr., was a lawyer and a Republican in the Missouri State Legislature in the 1930s and an ambassador to the newly independent India's legal system during the Eisenhower administration. So they, he, he grew up pretty wealthy. He grew up like, like not like, not like fuck you money, not like, like a billionaire or anything. Yeah. But he grew up like, pretty well off he came from a family of lawyers and he was pretty popular in school because he had like a cool basement mm-hmm. with like a pool table and shit that he'd invite other kids to come h- hang out in but he was never like super athletic and he hated school despite the, fam- the fact that the family were prominent republicans a lot of his friends at school described him as kind of apolitical during this time period one even remarked that he was great in debate class because he could debate either side of an issue pretty equally like he didn't have strong personal feelings either way and that made him him a strong debater 
However, he wanted to become a radio DJ from like a very early age from childhood. Like this was like the main focus of his life. And his father, Rush Limbaugh Jr., disapproved, but still got him an internship at a local radio station when he was 16. So, you know, like a dad who was like, I would like you to find like a real job, but like, I love you. So I'm going to, I managed to arrange this like internship where you can go and like learn how to do radio. Okay. Well, that's something. Thanks, daddy. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, like that's, that's, that's a nice gesture. <laughs> Especially for like a dad during that time period, because like, yeah, most of them sucked. Like, right. Not, not too bad being like, oh, well, I don't approve of your hobbies, but I'll still support you. Right. Yeah. He attended Southern Missouri State University, but dropped out after two semesters. So unlike the vast majority of the rest of the men in his family, uh, Rush, di- Rush the third did not become a lawyer. He dropped out of college after two semesters. At the age of 20, he accepted a job at a top 40 station in Pennsylvania, where his manager at the time described his on-air personality uh, as an early Imus, referring to John Imus, who was one of the very first like shock jock radio personalities. Ah, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. So he was he was kind of modeling himself after that uh, style, and I think like. In the in the early days of like DJing, having having a personality was part of it, but it was mostly like a guy with kind of a personality who was finding you good music and playing you good music. And then like throughout the like seventies into the eighties, like it started becoming like the priority started to become like these kind of like shock jocks who like the personality was like central to it. And them saying shocking things was like central to their appeal. And that's what people tuned in for more so than the music. So he was starting to like develop that um, around that time in his early Mm twenties. He got fired from that station after about 18 months for clashing with the program director. This is like a, a theme in his early career. He gets fired from a lot of stations because people people don't like him. Like he's a bit of an asshole and they don't want to hang out with him. They can't handle the truth. They <laughs> can't simply handle the cannot truth. handle the truth. <laughs> uh, these <laughs> badass truth tellers. Can they even say that? <laughs> So he got a job as a nighttime DJ at another station for a while before getting fired from that one too and moving home in 1974. So throughout the mid to late 70s, he works at a few different stations in Kansas City, Missouri, but he he never works at any of them for very long and he actually sort of gets disillusioned with radio for a bit. Do we know if he was successful? Like, do do we know if people liked him? Mildly. Like, not the people he worked with, but like... Yeah, not the people that he worked with. It seems like people... People were kind of tuning in uh, like he was he was starting to develop like his personality around this time. And like I said, he was develop, developing like that shock shock thing. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he really started to like hone in on at that time was like the conservative like commentator personality okay. at the time. And he described it back then as satire. He was saying that he was satirizing the way liberals see conservatives. Mm. So he was trying to go for this like um, Colbert rapport style persona Uh, that he was developing during this time. So I think he was like, he wasn't like falling flat on his face and he wasn't getting like no uh, listens, but he was getting fired because like, it seems like a lot of people didn't like him. And he, he actually... Because he was too edgy. He's too edgy. Uh, he got... Uh, I don't actually know if that's why or if it was just like different personal issues. Right. But he he kind of got disillusioned for a little bit from radio and he left and took a part-time job working in sales for the Kansas City Royals baseball team um, and then eventually left that. The story that I've heard about why he left that is because like he had one friend that was on the team and that was the only person who liked him. And then when that friend got traded off the team, he had to he had to leave because everybody else fucking hated him. <laughs> oh my god! So he went back to radio, and then he in 1983 he's offered a radio spot on KFBK in Sacramento, California, replacing Morton Downey Jr., who like needs to be the subject of a future episode because he also sucks like so fucking hard. But the station was specifically looking for a right wing style shock jock to fill the slot because that's kind of what Morton Downey Jr. was. And they encouraged him him to like 
embody that mm-hmm. and and like push the envelope in that regard, but just not go as far as MDJ because Morton Downey Jr. was fired from the station for using a slur against oh, no. an Asian oh, city, city councilman in Sacramento. Well, yeah, I'm glad he is dead then. <laughs> so, we should do him sometime. <laughs> we should. Yeah, we, we will do him sometime. And like Rush was, um, Rush like in, in reviews at the time was like written up and praised as being like the guy who would skate as close as he could to mm-hmm. that line without actually crossing it uh, and and like i said like he in the period of like the 70s into the early 80s he like called himself a satire so i kind of think like he was also a pioneer in like right-wing people cloaking their opinions in quote-unquote irony because mm. it kind yeah. of sounds like how he's describing it he's like oh i'm doing like a, an impersonation yeah. of what a left-wing person thinks a right-wing person is like so like when i say this like really hateful stuff i'm joking i'm being right it's just a joke yeah yeah but i kind of believe some of it and it it, like it's not it's a character i'm playing i I did compare it and it it pretty much reflects my party's beliefs as well yeah but it isn't like but it isn't like meme you know it's not like meme it's like them me you would when i say it it's on them yeah you would think i would say that means that you would think i would say that you would think i had said that said i you, you would, would think i just yeah yes that vibe so hard yeah and because these the, this is the way these loony lefties see me and mm-hmm. isn't that silly but also like kind of based mm-hmm. like but if i did think that <laughs> yeah i compared him to colbert a few minutes ago but colbert wasn't like trying to do like this is wasn't trying to like like low-key flatter conservatives yeah. by being like this is like what liberals think you're like colbert was like i'm i'm going to satirize a yeah. conservative right um and and you can argue about like how funny that was but like it feels like there are too many levels of deflection here already for rush yeah and like over time mm. he started to believe himself and actually like i want to like um one of the ways i'm gonna get into like some actual quotes from him in a little bit sounds like there's some dogs like fucking going for it in the park next door but like some quotes from like the way he frames himself i think are are kind of illuminating about this kind of like like mirror mirrors of like deflection he says things like even when i think i'm wrong i'm right i'm all-knowing and he says lots of things like, I could win a debate with half my brain tied behind my back. That's like one of the famous things that he says. Which is like, it's very funny, <laughs> right? Brain. It's very funny. I love and that. Like, That's so good. <laughs> there's an extent to which you're like, oh, he is kind of mocking himself. Like he's kind of mocking his own like cockiness. Yeah. But like, at what point does he sort of believe it? And another thing that he says like th- well, I, it just sounds like he's just having fun with it like he sounds like he believes it but he's just smart enough and clever enough to want to entertain himself with his own jokes mm-hmm. like i don't I've, i don't think that joke was for anyone else i think he just thought that was like a really funny way to phrase it so he did because totally. he's a fucking weirdo totally yeah it's yeah it, it's 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 whatever whatever the op- he, was an art- he was an artist yeah <laughs> it's like anyway one thing that he does say that's like very illuminating about his like personal politics is enraging liberals is simply one of the most enjoyable side effects of my wisdom so again his whole thing is like i just want to say these kind of things even things like i'm always right even when i'm wrong i'm right he's saying to get a rise out of people yeah right like he he doesn't sincerely believe any of this right he's 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 just poking people with stuff like that yeah Yeah. i don't even think he ever genuinely believed that he was a genius i think he was aware of the fact that he was a fucking college dropout but was like Mm -hmm. if i say this i'll make people mad and also i'll be creating a little bit of like myth building for myself you know right yeah what a genius move Mm -hmm. there is a kind of genius to it like it's it's it it's not bad pr like all of this it gets exactly what he wants which is like publicity and attention and a name for himself that becomes like synonymous with 
his own like personal brand of like shitty comedy right like i'm kind of into it like totally like just from like a a marketing perspective i'm like i should be writing this down right now he's not a dumb guy (laughs) and and he like again like he set the template for so many people to follow him like there is like a level right like this is so common Mm mm-hmm like a lot of people do this now and it's so, it, like you you could just hit throw a rock and hit somebody who's doing this now like it's such a common thing so like i would throw a fucking rock and hit somebody who's doing this right now a brick a milkshake i don't care soup for my family you should <laughs> soup <laughs> for my family. Uh, <laughs> anything so he's like a massive hit in san francisco he tripled the rate of listeners to the show um <laughs> no the gays loved him <laughs> the conservatives california is like a weird place where like yeah you've got like very far left and very far right sharing like the same fucking cities everything so like there are a lot of conservatives in central and northern california and in southern california that that listened to him and he like tripled the rate of listeners to what was already like a very popular show that must have felt so good Mm -hmm. and he earned a six-figure salary in 1983, he earned a six-figure salary. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, I hate him, but that sounds nice. Oh, yeah. I'm like, people love me, and I'm making money. <laughs> exactly. Like, people love him, and they hate him. Like, around this time, there are, like, billboards that are around the city. That does feel good, too. Yeah. There are billboards around the city of Sacramento that are, like, uh, what would you, like, would you punch Rush Limbaugh in the face? (laughs) Imagine. Um, I'm obsessed. Imagine having that kind of notoriety. Yes. (laughs) I bet he loved it. I bet he ate it up. I would too. I mean, I would too. Yeah, for for sure. Like, honestly, if if I walk by a billboard with my stupid fucking face on it, (laughs) with like, would you punch Kalen in the face? I would be like, yes, I would. Like, 100%. Like, so. Somebody come watch me punch myself like a fucking clown. Um. (laughs) Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. So his career, like, pretty much just sees an upward trajectory from there. Like, he never, um, until, like, the end of his life when he gets sick, he really doesn't see, like, a decline in his popularity. So important context, mm-hmm. in 1987, the Fairness Doctrine is repealed in the U.S., which is a uh, uh, an FCC guideline, not a guideline, a policy that uh, required the holders of broadcast licenses to present controversial issues of public importance and to do so in a manner that fairly reflected differing viewpoints. So this is why, like, this is kind of like... The, the repeal of this is kind of like the start of what would become like the fake news era, because like even back in like the 70s and the 60s, we would have people like fervently disagree about things, but there would largely be like an agreement on what like the base facts are, because um, media outlets would be required to present both sides to a case. And there were, I mean, there were obviously always still like shitty people who were like, well, my racism is valid, but like, (laughs) but like largely like the facts of any given, uh, large news item would be, would be laid out and would be largely agreed on by the populace. Mm. Uh, when the fairness doctrine is repealed, it's kind of like the wild west like it's it's like everybody can just report on whatever they want however they want and this is a with no oversight with no oversight and this is a fucking boon to rush limbaugh Uh, of course it is yeah i mean again like he wasn't trying to be a news outlet but like now in talking about news items or like 
controversial issues, he doesn't have to present, he doesn't legally have to present the other side. He can just push. Yeah, he can just say whatever he wants. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm like a little happy about that because like, I don't personally ever want to have to present the other side of what I'm talking about. (laughs) I mean, I usually do. But like, I wonder if YouTube would have fallen under that if it had kept going. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like I could actually do present the other person's side, but like, and be like, this to... is why this is fucking stupid. Yeah, yeah. I must say, yeah, your your entire gender like, because the the other side is fucking stupid. <laughs> your entire gender critical series, you very much presented the other side, but you showed why it was bad. <laughs> actually, well, okay. So, so I guess I was I guess I was already doing what the Fairness Act originally wanted yeah but then it was repealed and now you can just say whatever the fuck you want like mr potato head is um grooming your kids or whatever Mm. the fuck ben shapiro said potato grooming in 1988 he'd start his flagship syndicated radio show on wabc nyc the rush limbaugh show and that would be like his legacy he was so massively successful that not only did his radio show inspire a tv show produced by roger ailes of fox news but ronald reagan called him the number one voice for conservatism on air ronald reagan called into his show and was like you are the number one voice for conservatism oh my god no this is like trump calling into fox (laughs) i was just thinking that Mm -hmm. that's so (laughs) embarrassing yeah when people when when like classical liberals try to say like i'm a conservative but like i i don't like trump i i i want to go back to when people were when people on the right wing had morals and standards uh remind them that fucking ronald reagan was calling into the fucking (laughs) rush limbaugh show Mm -hmm. so the rush limbaugh limbaugh show was really where he was a pioneer in the triggering the libs aesthetic of right-wing apathy so like he didn't believe anything and never did for his entire life like his friend said when he was younger he was apolitical um as he embodied this character and started to absorb a a little bit more of its ideals. He didn't become a right-wing activist in that he cared about any of the issues that conservatives cared about. The only thing he cared about was triggering the libs. Mm -hmm. And he made that in particular enormously popular and and made it kind of the, um, the platform for all conservatism from that point forward the 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 guys who are like not into explicitly triggering the libs like Mitt Romney are outliers now mm. like the party the party as a whole is like we are into being cruel to people who aren't us mm-hmm. and that's it we don't stand for anything yeah it like yeah it became like fully reactionary mm-hmm. like we're just here like just to cause just to kick dirt into people like kick sand into people's eyes like really just to cause problems Mm -hmm. which like in general i can kind of stand but considering the problems that they're causing and who they're causing them for not so much Mm -hmm. like i'm okay with a shit disturber Mm -hmm. oh yeah and like a, a shit lord even but like this seems it seems like he probably has a lot to answer for. Mm. He's not kicking that sand into the eyes of the powerful, Kalen. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the problem. <laughs> he's, where the sand's he's going. kicking it down. <laughs> yeah, there's no punching up here. And and he like pioneers that. Like so many people adopt his style, uh, which was marked by cruelty. He mocked liberals relentlessly, mm-hmm. but also the homeless, the sick and people suffering from addictions. He famously mocked the symptoms of, not the Simpsons, uh, (laughs) mocked the symptoms of Michael J. Fox's Parkinson's disease. So like while he was recording his show, he was on camera the way we are like right now, Mm -hmm. but it was like a webcam that streamed to some of his fans. Also BT dubs, he called his fans ditto heads because he expected them to just like repeat everything he said <laughs> like a real oh, fucking cult leader so fucking rude and i love it i hate it i hate him but i love it so his 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 webcam was called the ditto cam and he broadcast himself like imitating michael j fox like shaking oh, jesus of parkinson's disease 
don't really know why. Like, don't like what? Like, what does that? What, what is the political aim of making fun of somebody who has Parkinson's disease? Attention, just I guess. cruelty headlines. And like, like literally, is Michael J. Fox that? political of a person no. like i don't think i ever hear about him doing Almost anything never. so like i don't see why he would be a target at the time yeah that's a really weird target at the time uh w- what rush was reacting to was that michael j fox to raise awareness of parkinson's elected to go off of his meds for a period of time and appear on camera so that that they could record like what it looks like when somebody has Parkinson's and no mm. uh, access to medication. Okay. Right. So like the furthest left this, this activism was, was like, Hey, we should make sure that people with Parkinson's have access to medication because this is what it looks like when you don't. Wow. What a libtard. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. And then Rush was like, I'm going to mock him for this. Jesus. <laughs> So he showed like compassion and like self-sacrifice mm-hmm. and like if in honor of the greater good, and Rush was like, this makes me fucking sick. It makes me so mad. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to ruin your fucking night. <laughs> and also um, my, so uh, my grandmother has Parkinson's and it's not just a physical um, in terms of like the shaking. It's, it's this like neurological thing. So it also affects your brain. Mm-hmm. Like your brain yeah. is um, I just started to say that disintegrate. That's not quite the right word for it, but you know, it's degenerative. So like mm-hmm. it, it's yeah. affecting your, your brain as well. So it's just, it's just horrible to do on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and just say, just, and all because Michael J. Jesus, he said like, Hey, maybe don't. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe we should make sure people can get treatment for this, which yeah, it was literally it a guy who so baseline. Yeah, It was literally a guy who was like, I am uh, one of the, the most like, rich and privileged people who will ever suffer from this disease and i want to show you how bad it is because yeah you're not going to see me suffering from it but other people will right and i want to show yeah. you what it looks like when they do suffer so that everybody knows so that we raise awareness that like people need their parkinson's medication because right. this is a horrific disease and rush limbaugh yep. took that personally i guess <laughs> <laughs> and I took that personally. <laughs> it's like, oh, so just because you're supposed, just because you're doing something, mean that means now I'm supposed to be doing something. Like, no, fuck you. Like, he was angry about. It. He's like, well, now I have to yeah. make a response to this. I guess. Yeah, like I, I, I got to do something <laughs> yeah. because this guy's making me look stand. fucking stupid. I can't allow people to not shake. <laughs> fucking ghoulish. Again, he like. Even though this character, quote unquote, started as satire, he came to embody the uh, positions that this character held. And he also came to believe that his enemies, which was just like anybody who disagreed with him, <laughs> were ontologically evil. Like we're just like evil at, I mean, I at root at nature. So spreading information, misinformation about them was fair play in order to win and what he saw as a struggle against evil so he would just he would just like fucking lie about people on air notably we're all gonna agree here that we're not like huge fans of the clintons right oh yeah no yeah in general would 100 <laughs> no, push you. into a volcano we're, we're all very far left yeah yeah we're all very far left so like i am not going to bat for the clintons here but he hated the clintons with a passion and they were frequently the focus of his ire and mockery and the myth that hillary clinton is like more of a war hawk than the majority of centrist dems that even leftists like us tend to repeat to this day came directly from rush like hillary clinton is about par for the course for anybody who's like a centrist dem uh, in their international policy like Mm -hmm. something that any of us sitting here would disagree with but like the myth that she is somehow like deadlier and more hawkish and more evil than obama comes directly from rush oh. and like even people on the left will repeat it to these to this day i i have heard that a lot yeah i i have mm-hmm. to yeah I i'm not like he... someone that has ever like googled it i'm not like how bad was hillary clinton because like like kind of bad is bad enough for me like, <laughs> yeah i'm like i can't vote for her anyway so not really my problem but 
yeah, I didn't realize that that was stemming yeah, me either. from him. And I didn't mm-hmm. realize that that, I didn't know that that was like a, a falsity or like a weird political urban legend or. That was a huge reason a lot of people on the left either voted for Trump or abstained in 2016. And I will say that, um, you know, the the drone strikes during the Obama administration weren't great, but they ramped up considerably over the course of the mm-hmm. Trump administration. So there, there, there's just like no evidence that if Hillary were in power um, as a as the president, that she would have been worse for uh, foreign policy than Donald Trump. And 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 that's it, it, it's something that I've heard as well, and that I've internalized as well. Like I. I uh, I still think of her as like more of a war hawk than other centrist Dems, even though they're like, there's no data to back that up. And that's all, it all comes from the Rush Limbaugh show. Well, that's ugly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, uh, his, his brain is in worms that are in my brain. <laughs> He's created brain worms for us all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah god damn it rush so he inspired the style of conservative uh, media figures to this day and also launched a number of their careers on his show careers like glenn beck and sean hannity were started on oh the, the mm. fucking rush limbaugh show fucking glenn beck Ugh. can i say that i always confuse sean hayes from will and grace and sean hannity <laughs> when the names are said <laughs> They're different. They're very different people. <laughs> they sure are. <laughs> Sean Hannity's the bad one. So I'm just I'm I'm gonna read you guys some some quotes. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Oh yes. From from his from his work over the years. I bet I'm gonna remember a few of these. <laughs> so let's start with uh, Rush Limbaugh's quotes on race. The NFL all too often looks like a game between the Bloods and the Crips without any weapons. <laughs> There, I said it. Oh, my God. Have you ever noticed how all composite pictures of wanted criminals resemble Jesse Jackson? Okay, I just need to say this because this is a podcast for the people that can't understand what's happening. My jaw has like dislocated. It is. I, I can like see laying it. laying on the carpet in front of me. I've never seen either like... of you paler. Like the color <laughs> drained from both I mean, of I'm your definitely faces. Very pale, so that's saying something. <laughs> Jesus. The NAACP should have riot rehearsal. They should get a liquor store and practice robberies. <laughs> What? What the Jesus Christ? I thought the worst. Fuck. This is that's, this is like okay, so, worse than current shock. Oh, it's, it's Jesus, gonna that's get worse, worse than the fucking LePage quote about the NAACP. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. There was um yeah when when LePage was was governor of Maine, there was an a inf- infamous incident um where the I, I think he got invited to the NAACP chapter in maine um or wherever it is um to like for for something i don't remember if it was for like black history month or it was something like that um and his response which went like became a whole thing was to tell them to Mm -hmm. kiss his butt which is mild in comparison (laughs) and that was it's very mild in comparison but it was this but it was also like i mean yeah it was obviously super fucking rude but it was just yeah that's nothing it's shocking jesus all right so back in i believe this was back in his pennsylvania 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 Pennsylvania. (laughs) (laughs) guys i've had like half a bottle of prosecco my i I think this was back in his pennsylvania um days uh rush claimed not to understand a black caller who had called into his show and he hung up on him saying take that bone out of your nose and call me back literally Fuck you can't say that. <laughs> Both of their mouths are open. That, like, and now we're getting like what? Flintstonian the about fuck? it. Like, kind of. I don't even like, know what to say about that. Like, <laughs> yeah, just like, just like unbelievable le- levels of racism. However, that was I, again. I think that was Pennsylvania. So I think that was the mid seventies. Uh, I'm 
gonna share a YouTube link now. Okay. This is from the Obama administration. This is from Obama's run for okay. presidency, rather. So this is 2007. Okay. This is a song he played on his show. Oh no. Here we go. This is Paul Shanklin as Al Sharpton about Barack Obama. Barack, the magic Negro. <gasps> in DC. Oh my god. So that's bad, right? Holy fuck. He just said that so confidently. This is if Weird Al, like, was raised by two Klansmen. Yeah, it's... <laughs> like, what is this, honey? Jesus, <laughs> that was a horrible. literal fuck. Yeah, it's real bad. That was 2007. That was late No, that was like 10 years ago. I, I don't math, but that was not... <laughs> there's like there's like legitimately no fucking excuse for that. Like, even if it was we 300 at, years we ago, there's no excuse. Then. But like... like yeah. Jesus I had graduated high school by then. Like Jesus 2007. Christ. Uh, so I was like 21. I, yeah, I saw. I was <laughs> like, not literally expecting what hard the fuck? N, like right out yeah, the gate. Jesus. Yeah. Well, rush. Uh, so he played that on the air. Speaking of the Obama administration, uh, in 2012, famously, a woman called Sandra Fluke gave testimony that birth control should be covered by the Affordable Care Act. Uh, and here it is. This is the one I remember. Yeah, and and it, it did eventually get covered by the Affordable Care, ha- Care Act because um, for, for anybody who doesn't know, like in addition to pre- preventing pregnancies, um, birth control is an important part of hormone regulation. It's an important part of mm-hmm. uh, an mm-hmm. important treatment for polycystic ovary system like, yeah. uh, syndrome. Rather, uh, it is like mm-hmm. it is legitimate healthcare. Um, it's, yeah, it's healthcare. Mm-hmm. It's not just yeah. contraception. It's not like, just contraception. So many other purposes for yeah. it. Yeah, and I, yeah. I count myself as one of the hundreds of thousands, millions of women who take it primarily for uh, for healthcare and not for uh, contraceptive. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> On Sandra Fluke's 2012 testimony, uh, he he got real mad, and he went on his radio show and said, what does it say about the college co-ed Sandra Fluke, who goes before a congressional committee and essentially says that she must be paid to have sex? What does that make her? It makes her a slut, right? It makes her a prostitute. (gasps) She wants to be paid to have sex. She's having so much sex that she can't afford contraception. She wants you and me and the taxpayers to pay her to have sex. (laughs) If we're going to pay you for your contraceptives and thus pay you to have sex, we want something for it. We want you to post the videos online so we can (gasps) all watch. So the woman comes forth with this frankly hilarious claim that she's having so much sex and her buddies with her that she can't afford it. And not one person says, did you ever think about maybe backing off on the amount of sex that you have? First of all, I just want to say like, this betrays like a a massive misunderstanding about like how uh, hormonal birth control works. Yep. Like the birth control pill is not a, is not like a condom. Right. Like, you take it each time you have sex. You don't just like, use. It those... works more like <laughs> I was about to say. Like what? Yeah, it works the way like Flonase does if you have allergies, yeah. where you have to consistently right. take it and build up a certain amount of it in your system for it to be effective. So it's... it doesn't matter no. how much or how little sex you're having. You have to consistently take it. Again, I consider, like, I secondarily use it. It's the way I take prep. Yeah. Right. I, like, I, I just swallow a pill every day and I don't get yeah, HIV. Exactly. That's just you have how to build up a certain amount in your system. There's a there's a lot of medications that work like that. Yeah. It, it, there's so many things and mental treatments. I, no matter yeah. how much sex I'm having, yeah. I still have to yeah. take it every single day. Yeah. Like, what the literal fuck? But... What the literal? He's either fuck. being he's either he's being like, like intentionally disingenuous here, or just completely misunderstands that right. the pill is not like Viagra or is not like a a condom like where you per use per use yeah. like you have to build up a certain amount in your system. And again, that's why it's healthcare. That's why like some of us take it for for hormonal things because like it changes your hormones. Yeah. And, and this is how I first, I think, 
learned about Rush Limbaugh is this whole incident. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I, I mean, I probably had kind of heard of him before this, but like that was the first time I like really consciously recognized who he was and yeah. remembered him from this was huge the this was huge at the time what yeah the it was a big deal fuck. yeah mm -hmm. yeah it was what so year was this 2012 yeah 2012 okay that was 10 years ago sweaty uh-huh like, that that's when i like first moved to portland maine uh yeah that was not that long ago okay there was uh, yeah there's no excuse for him to think that whatsoever like i understood that years and years before that and i went to a catholic school that told us that there was no actual form of birth control except for abstinence and i still understood that like hormones are often regulated by taking birth control like this is there he's intentionally doing it there's no way you can be that he's obviously yeah about yeah yeah like the people who who try to make it sound like every abortion occurs at eight months as opposed to like six weeks. Right. Oh my god. The the people that are like they want it to happen a day before to a day after birth. <laughs> I hate like, those fucking quotes honey, so much. That's not an abortion. <laughs> that's a fucking stillbirth. Yeah, like or the or like legitimate like infanticide. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. are we talking dumpster babies? Like that's like what are you doing with a baby a day? day after like are we are we doing this right now or are we claiming this so famously when rush died this went viral uh this was his aids update so uh mm, this i was is what i remember yeah this was like a big news thing around the time that he died iowa cedar rapids gazette reported in 1990 that limbaugh's AIDS update, quote unquote, a recurring segment in which he made jokes about a disease that had killed more than 100,000 people in the United States at that point, started by playing songs such as Back in the Saddle Again, Kiss Him Goodbye, I Know I'll Never Love This Way Again, and Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. The AIDS update segment was short-lived. According to the New York Times, it ended after a few weeks. Limbaugh would call the segment one of the most regretful things I've ever done because it was, quote, making fun of people who were dying long, painful, and excruciating deaths. So they do say that it was um, it was very short-lived, but there was still, still a period of time where he played comedic songs, making fun of people who had died of AIDS, and read out their names on air. And celebrated their deaths in the 1990s. I'm glad he's dead. Yeah. <sighs> Fuck this guy. He's so fucking terrible. Yeah. Like, like I don't even feel like a hypocrite about it. Like, I legitimately am glad yeah. he's dead. Like, I, I wish he had never been born. And again, but I'm so glad he's dead. Yeah, really. This is the best way to celebrate his life. Yeah. This, this was what he wanted. He's talking about his like talking shit on him i i think he's probably in hell laughing can we can, can you please add in one of those songs now <laughs> yeah, that we're right. talking about his death rush limbaugh <laughs> yeah he's <sex>. like, <laughs> all right we gotta brainstorm some good songs or, or like whatever the song whatever the songs were that he played let's play it like in honor okay. of his death <laughs> So, on illegal drug use, Rush Limbaugh said, drug use, some might say, is destroying this country. And so, if people are violating the law by doing drugs, they ought to be accused, and they ought to be convicted, and they ought to be sent up, like sent to prison. Yeah. Notably... In 2009, Limbaugh settled out of court following an investigation into the 2,000 painkillers found prescribed <laughs> to him by four doctors over a six-month period in 2006. <laughs> 2,000 painkillers! Wait, is that, is that 2,000 okay, individual wait. pills? 2,000 or, pills yeah. or 2,000 <laughs> different <laughs> prescriptions? 2,000 pills or 2,000 prescriptions? It's got to be 2,000 pills. Like, it can't be 2,000 prescriptions because it's only four okay. doctors. <laughs> are there even 2,000? I don't think there are 2,000 different what, drugs. What do they What do they got? 500, 500 
pages per script yeah (laughs) we got like four doctors 500 each just clearing out all the pharmacies (laughs) they would be so tired it must be pills they would have to get a prescription (laughs) they would have to get a prescription for their carpal tunnel (laughs) okay it must be pills but like two (laughs) imagine having two thousand painkiller pills like just hanging out in your system untaken like <laughs> there were others that were in his tummy <laughs> oh no in rush limbaugh's tummy. probably some with some of his friends probably I he probably shared oh no okay we're gonna need to find his body we're gonna need to find miss frizzle and we were gonna magic school bus our way into his court <laughs> we're gonna see how many pills are rotting in his stomach right now we are gonna get so high <laughs> <laughs> just free basing off of rush limbaugh court <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna okay i'm like i know this is fucking disgusting but can we just like smoke the worms that are eating him right now oh my just, god like, i was just thinking that why were you also thinking that, you sicko? I don't know. Those are the most chill worms that have ever existed. Right. Those worms are just like <laughs> just like drop them in a martini. Eat the worm. Like... And suck it up like a little like a little tequila shot. Yeah, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Tequila yes. shot that gets you really fucking high. Um yeah. he'd also been investigated for Ill- illegally purchasing oxycodone and hydrocodone back in 20, uh, 2003. So my guy was just like fucking gobbling down things <laughs> while calling for the imprisonment of their attic. <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, uh, uh, oh my uh. god. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't die sooner. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. That's a lot of fucking pills. That's so many pills. It's probably what kept him alive. Maybe. Possibly. Like, I know you can OD, mm. but like he was just he was sustaining it. He was he was um Keith Richardsing it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no, there you go. And finally, I'm gonna read you a quote uh, on the dangers of secondhand smoking and smoking in general. That is a myth that has been disproven <laughs> at <laughs> That has been disproven. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't expecting that. I thought it was going to be like, <laughs> doesn't matter, it's cool. Which is like straight up like, no, that's a lie. It just doesn't exist. <laughs> it's just, it's Sounds fake, bro. <laughs> Source. <laughs> Citation needed. Okay. Um, Sorry. <laughs> That is a myth that has been disproven at the World Health Organization, and the report was suppressed. There was a conspiracy. Um, That wasn't him. That was me. Um, There is no fatality whatsoever. There is no even major sickness component associated with secondhand smoke. It may irritate you, and you may not like it, but it will not make you sick, and it will not kill you. Firsthand smoke takes 50 years to kill people if it does not everybody that smokes get gets cancer now it's true that everybody who smokes dies but so does everyone who eats carrots i would like a medal for smoking cigars is what i'm saying and on february 17th 2021 (laughs) at the age of 70 the cigars that rush smoked since he was a teenager finally came back to claim his ass and he died of complications (laughs) (laughs) he died of complications due to lung cancer (laughs) (laughs) please tell me on this this gravestone they wrote it doesn't exist like right i don't think they did but i'm so glad he did his daddy's sucks so bad. <laughs> oh. oh my god. This is now the second time a, a person you've no. presented has died in a very ironic <laughs> kind of way. Like the other person, like a slight down by God. I love <laughs> to get to and be like, and then on this day, this random thing so came good. to fucking reclaim their <laughs> shitty body yep. from this earth. I'm so glad he's dead. I am he was so a terrible person. I wish the cigarettes got him sooner. Yeah, that is. Yeah, no, fuck him. Amazing. He was so terrible. And I and I remember when he died. That was one of the times that people were like, "Oh, he just died. You have to be nice." I was like, "No, fuck this guy." <gasps> this is. Okay, this is the one of the first times I remember hearing about him because people were like, he's dead, but he used to make fun of uh, like people that mm-hmm. died of AIDS. So it's fine that we're making fun of him. And that was the first time I heard about him. So I obviously joined in because I was like, oh, are we making fun of dead people? Yeah. <laughs> 100% obviously I'm in. Obviously our thing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. This is my jam. Um, 
And I think that was like the first time I really disrespected the dead. Oh, your first time. And I'm glad. <laughs> yes, I'm glad that it, it came like full circle. And now I get to think about his lumpy lungs and how he <laughs> suffered for like, with his like gross, tarry, lumpy lungs for the, the remainder of his horrible little life. Me too. That's so wholesome. <laughs> and uh, that's the story of Rush Limbaugh. Hmm. I'm so glad he's dead. <laughs> That's so too. nice. It's like so, so refreshing. <laughs> it's like so hard. <laughs> Ryan Hell Lush <laughs> Like hearing that he died is like using one of those like really gorgeous like facial misters that like probably dry you out more than they actually do like moisturize your face. Right. Yeah, but it Filled feels so good at the time. <laughs> You're so like good. this might be bad for me, yeah. but like Oh, I'm really enjoying. I'm sparkling. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> where is he dead? Where Where is he buried? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, where is he buried? Where we, Where can we pee on him? Where can we pee on him? Oh, that's for future <laughs> that's future question. Amanda. I need to look that up. Perfect. Future hoots. Future hoots. Look up Thank where we can hoots. piss on Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> hey, this is Editing Hoots here. Uh, according to the website findagrave.com, Rush Limbaugh is buried in the Bellefontaine Cemetery in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, in Section Mason B, uh, Block 114, Lot 6973. All right. Uh, I'm Hoots. You can find me on Twitter at Hoot underscore Little and on uh, YouTube at Little Hoot. And I'm uh, Mainly Mandy. You can find me at Mainly Mandy on Twitter and Instagram and also on YouTube. And that is spelled like the state of Maine. I'm Kellen Conrad uh, on everything. And that will be in the show notes because nobody can ever spell my fucking name. You're also <laughs> at Respect the Dead on Twitter and Instagram. We have a Patreon that you can sign up for and do cute little things like suggest someone that we can cover or add a little fake ad in that we can read for you. Not a real ad, but a fake ad. And something else? Reviews? Somebody reviews? Reviews. Yeah, if you like yeah. us, if you like us, give us a five-star review. If you don't, keep our names out of your whore mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite that okay that needs going forward that yes no, going forward yeah. <laughs> give us five stars or keep our names out of your oh. i love it okay bye okay. all right <laughs> bye bye <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Respect the Dead. You can follow Respect the Dead on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Respect the Dead. If you want to follow us individually, you can find our socials in the show notes. And you should check out our YouTube channels. We don't shit on dead people there as often, but still, we're making tons of cool stuff. If you enjoyed Respect the Dead and would like to support us, there's a couple of ways to do that. You can give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. Give us at least five stars and then share us with a good friend who likes venting about dead people. You can also give us some money over on our Patreon. Patreon supporters get some cool bonus content like bloopers from the cutting room floor and even coming up with a fake sponsor ad that we'll read in an episode. It has to be a fake business, though, not your MLM, honey. Thanks so much for listening. Join us every Monday for our next Worm Feast. I'm Kellen Conrad. I'm Mainly Mandy. And I'm Hoots. Bye. 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 Bye.